in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. There we go. My trusty headphones, thank you very much. They went missing. Everybody has these huge uh, you know, headphones that they were wearing in the Brady Bunch. Remember when they record that record and they go to the studio? Headphones have not improved since then. Well, they have, but in the in the studio, they always use these big, enormous things. I use the ones, uh, like, they're like 15 years old from your iPhone. Anyway, uh, they're nice and light, and they don't give me a headache. Uh, welcome. It's Friday. It's raining. And... Um, uh, did you, uh, what, is, what do we, what do we have first of all? Number one, we have to impeach Joe Biden. We must impeach Joe Biden. Now I know that seems like a crazy, silly thing to do. Oh, we're not like that. We're not like the Democrats. They impeach over silly things. We're no, 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 we can't, we can't impeach Joe Biden. Of course we can. We must. It's a matter of, I think for history, it must be done. It must be shown that, uh, America does not tolerate dereliction of duty the dereliction of duty he's shown us he's not (laughs) controlling the border it's very very simple it's right there in black and white in the constitution it's it's under article two one of his responsibilities is to protect the states from invasion if you want to play games with the words about invasion or not this is what i hear now with title 42 going away which i didn't totally understand but with title 42 going away It's going to double the amount of people coming into the country illegally. Double. Double. We're going to be pushing a half million illegals a month into America. And Joe Biden obviously at this point wants that. So if he wants that and he's doing nothing to stop that, well, we must impeach him. He must be impeached. And you know what? I think he can make that case to rhinos. I think some Democrats. What is the matter with you? What is the matter? Mitt Romney, do you really love America or do you just hate Trump? All right. If you love America, you've got to impeach this guy. We have to keep this country together. Donald Trump said yesterday, this is a the life, the death and life of America is at stake. Right. It's either or we could lose the entire country. You know, everybody's giving a hard time about those baseball cards or whatever they are. They totally missed the very important, very substantive um, a speech he made about free speech. I played it right here on the show. We're the only ones, literally the only ones. It's funny. Mainstream media, they talk about Trump all the time. It's just dominates their coverage, you know, but they only talk about him. They never report on him. Now, he is a declared president for he's a declared candidate for president. And uh, yesterday he came out with a very serious uh, policy outline proposal. And I think it's uh, it's worthy. And uh, look, you can't just you can't just gossip about the guy. You got to report what he's talking about. He is he's done it before. This is a big deal thing, <clears throat> and um, nobody else, other than me, quite frankly, other than me, one or two radio guys. You can go to NBC News with who doesn't know Lester Holt, David Muir on ABC, of course, Helmet Head. Um, Nora O'Donnell. Now, granted, I did not check her show yet. I did check NBC and I did check ABC. And if Helmet Head did it, I'll have to take it back. Um, not the Helmet part, Head part. She's still got one of those. But this was very, very important. And his proposals are, um, you know, there's all sorts of stuff in there about Section 230 and FBI agents who are messing around with elections. Cut 13, please, if you don't mind. 
If we don't have free speech, then we just don't have a free country. It's as simple as that. If this most fundamental right is allowed to perish, then the rest of our rights and liberties will topple just as one by one they'll go down. That's why today I'm announcing my plan to shatter the left-wing censorship regime and to reclaim the right to free speech for all Americans. And reclaim is a very important word in this case because they've taken it away. Damn right. Damn right. Good for you, President Trump. A little bit more on this. Cut 14. Within hours of my inauguration, I will sign. Hey, by the way, doesn't that sound good? Banning any federal department or agency from colluding with any organization, business or person to censor, limit, categorize or impede the lawful speech of American citizens. And I will begin the process of identifying and firing every federal bureaucrat who has engaged in domestic censorship directly or indirectly, whether they are the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Health, Human Services, the FBI, the DOJ, no matter who they are. All right. All right. This is this is substantive stuff. This is this is meaningful stuff. And it's getting blown off by everybody except you and me. Uh, Cut 17. We should also enact new laws laying out clear criminal penalties for federal bureaucrats who partner with private entities to do an end run around the Constitution and deprive Americans of their First, Fourth, and Fifth Amendment rights. In other words, deprive them of their vote. And once you lose those elections and once you lose your borders like we have, you no longer have a country. Damn straight. We know. And when he was saying all this stuff, I realized this is not about an election. This really is about and they all say this. They all say this. But I think um, this is about the survival of America. We could lose it. We could lose it. We're losing it right now. No Title 42 extension seems kind of like a no brainer. You know, just because it started with Trump doesn't mean it's a bad policy. They know that they know that they actually finished portions of the border wall. The Biden team did. There are administration officials who want to continue Title 42. Some, however, don't want to, and it looks like. Are they going to prevail? I'd have to think that at the last minute. I mean, I get it. You guys in the Biden administration, globalists, you don't want the country anymore. You want to destroy it. You want to turn it into something else. But you can't be this obvious about it. You can't be this obvious about it. And you're going to get primaried if you keep this up. Gavin Newsom, very ambitious uh, looks great in a suit, uh, total dim bulb, but he's been around for a long time. Career politician, he doesn't. St- he wants it. It's easy enough to say, yeah, I'm for Title Forty Two. So uh, I, I think Biden is at the last minute going to extend this thing. That's what's going to happen. Could be wrong, but um, but I don't know. Uh, could be something at Norbin, Craig, and Kummel, but I don't know. Uh, let's see what else is going on. Uh, look, I got I came in a little bit. Do me a favor. Thank you. A birthday is coming up. I don't want to hear about it from anybody, if you don't mind. All right. My policy is I don't talk about my birthday, just so you know. All right. So um, uh, I appreciate the thoughts. And uh, but I, I, I just, you don't have to say happy birthday to me. OK, thank you. Thank you very, very much. Uh, but but no, um, I mean, really. Once you're nine, once you get double digits, once you hit 10, I think it's not a thing anymore. And oh, by the way, on your birthday, it's really not about you. It's about your mother. 
you should think about it. We have it totally backwards as a society. All right. It's all about, you know, the the birthday boy or girl. And you you get to be selfish and self-absorbed more so on that day. Um, is, think about what your parents went through the day you were born. I don't care if you're estranged from your mom or if you, you, know, you love your mom. You've got to give her a lot of credit. The physical pain they endured and the love they gave us, the love our parents give us. You know, we're just too dumb and young to appreciate it. I mean, we do ultimately. We love our mom and dad, but... Let's face it, when we're young, we are selfish tyrants. We're the worst. We're just horrible. Oh, I mean, I love my daughter. I love my children, obviously. But, you know, they you see the stuff they do. It does kind of make you wonder. They push each other down. Like, like, I found Annalise grabbing the head of Madeline and just pushing it into the wall. <laughs> it's like I, I, I rescued her. I saved my uh, daughter from a life of crime, I hope. But uh, these things happen, and uh, we love children. But anyway, all that to say, I don't celebrate my birthday uh, really uh, in a big way, and I don't like talking about it. Meanwhile... Oh, this is that uh, that FBI agent I've been telling you about. Real weird guy. A little bit too um, a little bit too enthusiastic about his work. Since when does the FBI do any of this crap? Talk about whether or not the 2020 election was fair or unfair. Hey, go catch the bank robbers. Go catch the child pornographers. Uh, don't tell me about elections. Cut 25. The election process itself is as safe as it's ever been, and even more so with all of the different protections we have in place around the ballots themselves, around the ballot counting equipment, around the uh, voter registration databases. FBI Special Agent Elvis Chan says the agency is always looking at what has happened in the past and applying it to the future. He says a lengthy review has determined that the 2020 election was the most secure in the nation's history. Like for 2020, we knew specifically the incidents that happen on a county-by-county level because there were so few of them. I could count them on one hand. Special Agent Chan says federal agencies have their eye on misinformation and election lies that often spread through social media. He says federal law enforcement agencies are sharing data with those social media platforms with the aim of combating election misinformation with the truth. People are trying to dispel the disinformation and misinformation that is going on, that there are things that are happening to the election. We don't see any credible threats at this point. That's not to say we're not monitoring them, because we are. This is so incriminating for the FBI. This guy proudly saying we're monitoring and we're looking for misinformation and disinformation. Remember how we all got upset about that silly girl that they were going to make the disinformation minister at the Department of Homeland Security. It was all the distraction. The FBI is already doing it. The FBI is already doing it. And Donald Trump, that's what was yesterday was about, making this stuff, making the FBI's involvement a crime. It probably is a crime. I don't think they have to pass a new law. Look it up. This is way outside their jurisdiction. Then something happened at the end. That was a local news report out of San Francisco from October. Listen to what the reporter says at the end. All right. Go ahead with uh, 26, please. The FBI says it has worked with registrars of voters throughout the Bay Area and says none of the election systems here can actually connect to the Internet. In fact, our special agent from the FBI says it's far more likely that we'd see some kind of a low-tech approach towards election fraud, like somebody simply trying to vote twice. In San Francisco, Christian Kaft and KTVU, Fox 2 News. 
Okay, a low-tech approach. That's the stuff they have to worry about, not the Internet. Interesting. So the FBI guy that I played for you a moment ago, 25, just you remember this guy, right? The election process itself. Him. He, the election process, um, he's the chief cyber guy for the San Francisco office for the FBI. He's he's standing in front of a bunch, a big sign that says FBI, cyber security. He's from the cybersecurity squad. But it's not about cyber, according to him. It's it's very one-off, you know, somebody tries to vote twice. That's So that has nothing to do with it. What he is about, though, the Internet comes into play monitoring for misinformation and disinformation. And some guy named Elvis, who I've never met, who's never been elected, is going to figure out what we can and cannot see. It's going to make recommendations. We're just going to call them recommendations by the hundreds to Twitter, saying we think this is uh, disinformation, should be removed. We think this is uh, questionable, should be warned, should be flagged. This is a violation of the First Amendment. This, this kind of stuff, the government getting involved in this is illegal, and it's happening right now. Um, Elon Musk is great. He's even a little bit better now that he kicked Keith Oberman off of Twitter. Um, But we desperately need Trump. We desperately, you know, this is happening right now. Have you seen anybody else talk about this? Or Mitch McConnell, he's still, he's still ragging on bad quality candidates, his words, for the midterms, blaming them, blaming them. All right, give me a moment. I'm late. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, you're still allowed to have a little bit of fun. I know people are upset about the baseball cards. It was no big deal. At least, obviously, it became everyone's missing the big, big story of Donald Trump and his free speech kind of manifesto. That was great. That was fantastic. Uh, Friday phone. Sal, do you agree? A hundred percent, Greg. A one hundred percent. Listen, uh, Greg Kelly's show, Mark Levin, and Newsmax are the only shows that we can listen to President Trump's speech or message. I can care less about his cards. I like his message. And this is the only message I can understand. I never voted for president before, and I will never vote for anybody out after him. This is my first thing. I want to thank you for that. And I have issues with Sid Rosenberg also. All right, listen, leave him alone. He can say whatever he wants, all right? He's a good guy. He's great. He knows what he's doing. It's a talk show, all right? I mean, really, I can't. I can't. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. all right? You got issues with everything? Let's pick on other people. They can't pick up, pick on my office mate. He's right over there. Doesn't let us listen to his, to Donald Trump's speech, but he brings in he brings in Trump haters. Sal, I tell you what, Sal, come on, man. All right, look, I mean, uh, you're putting me in a really awkward position here. All right, I like the guy. Uh, you know, you want to call? Give him a hard time. I appreciate the praise, though. Sal, what can I do? All right, he's a good he, guy. He, he's a good guy. He, All right, we disagree with him on Trump. What are you going to do? Shoot the guy? Come on. He's a great guy. Uh, Sandy in Long Island. Hello. Hey, first of all, I love your voices. Fantastic. And second of all, I Trump is an enigma to me. He makes me crazy. I love him. I hate him. I know that he 
loves the United States. I think that's the common denominator. I think that's the the key to this whole thing. You know, we're, I think he is honest and sincere about that. Through all the other BS that goes on, baseball cards and everything else that he does, it's crazy. It makes me nuts. But I think at the end of the day, if I had to compare him to Biden or anyone else, Pelosi, anyone, anyone, a Bush, I think he's super sincere about the love for his nation. Am I right or am I wrong? No, you're right. I mean, I will actually say it doesn't really drive me crazy about anything. I mean, look, he is not a career politician. The three things my friend Mark told me that the, the three things you got to understand and then everything, everything falls into place. Number one, he's a billionaire. Those guys are different. They do. They just are. Uh, number two, not a politician. I mean, that is so rare. He's not a career politician. All these other people have been doing this all their lives. They know no other way of life. And uh, number three, he's a New Yorker. All right. He's one of us. All right. And we just don't quite necessarily fit in with the rest of the country. And that's OK. Uh, all right, Sandy. Great points. Thank you. And uh, there's the music. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hello? Yes. All right. Hey, I'm getting some indication that the book sales are going pretty well. Uh, The book is not yet uh, on bookshelves, but you can pre-order it. It's my book that I'm talking about. It's Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. And this book, it's about time. It's about time that somebody stuck up for the men and women in law enforcement in book form, by the way. So many. I went into the bookstore, and I love bookstores, all right? But, man, how to be, you know, Joey wants to be Jeannie and, you know, how to be an anti-racist. And it's just a big everything, a good, big, woke section. It's more that the the woke stuff is just taking over the bookstore. But there are still – there's still a home. For conservatives in uh, in bookstores, especially those independent bookstores, and on Amazon. So uh, wherever you um, wherever books are sold, you want it. You want you want to. Uh, this it took me three days to. I had writer's block when I first started this, right? So it took me three days to read to write these first three paragraphs. Are you ready? This is a book about justice in America and the consequences to our beautiful nation if justice fails. Trust in law enforcement and the institutions of public safety has been hollowed out. The center pole of the American way of life is freedom, but liberty must be paired with respect for the rule of law or else we will descend into chaos. That's where America stands right now, at the edge of chaos. Everyone feels it. I know I do. Don't you? Divisions have emerged that could tear America apart. We fail to agree on fundamental issues such as are police bad? Is stealing harmless? Should white and black people be treated differently? And it doesn't seem that we are close to repairing the rift. The core of the problem, as I see it, is that there is a hideously dishonest conversation about race going on in America today in order to avoid some uncomfortable truths. I am sick of listening to elected officials, media personalities, and radical advocates lie through their teeth about the reality of crime, criminal justice, and law enforcement in this country. The victims of this campaign of deep untruth include all of us, but affects the men and women of law enforcement most grievously. They have been scapegoated, lied about, and savagely denigrated. Violence against cops is rising rapidly. The FBI says that murders of cops were up 59% during 2021, much higher than the figures for the nation at large. Almost every year or two, typically 
directly corresponding to the election cycle. Some incident involving a police officer and a civilian, usually black, is amplified and magnified by the press, the National Democrat Party, and street-level activists to promote the idea that America is a racist dictatorship that feeds like starving mosquitoes on the blood of African Americans. Civil unrest breaks out, sometimes locally, sometimes nationally, to agitate the base and convince a segment of the electorate that one half of the country is ignorant, backward, cruel, and racist. I lay the blame for this deeply false dynamic on Barack Obama, the senator from Illinois who consciously echoed Abraham Lincoln in his speeches and who represented the promise of a post-racial America where people could get along normally and stop obsessing over skin color, turned out to be as wicked and divisive a race hustler as any street corner lunatic or Jim Crow era segregationist sheriff. He got elected president in 2008 on the premise of uniting America and then set about lighting fires of resentment and discord everywhere he could, using ancient fears as leverage to grab as much power as he could. I wrote this book to lay out the case against Barack Obama, his politics of division, and the Democrat Party, which he continues to lead behind the scenes, and in support of men and women of law enforcement. They deserve better, and so does America. At its core, American institutions exist to preserve public safety, the rule of law, and peaceable enjoyment of the fruits of one's labor. Yet, These institutions are teetering on collapse. People of good conscience must agree now to fight to shore up the timbers of the American system. Otherwise, it is all going to fall apart and get washed away into the tides of history. (sighs) Three agonizing days to write all that stuff. Uh, Not bad, though. Not bad. You know, reading it now, there are a couple of words here and there that I would change. Um but I stand by it. I stand by it. This book is available, again, on Amazon. Uh, you just put in Greg Kelly book. That's a shortcut. But it's called Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. It is available for pre-order. It actually comes out January 10th, which is the same day that uh, Harry's book comes out. Prince Harry. Prince Harry comes out with his book. I've already seen uh, the cover. I think my book is so much better visually, quite frankly. It's just a great big close-up of his face. Um, and the name of the book is Spare, S-P-A-R-E, Spare, right? Yeah, Spare. Like, Spare what? I don't get that. Uh, so, uh, look, another reason why I want you to buy this book, number one, um, well, it's good for, I want to write another book. I, I'm going to totally, I want to write another book, and if this book sells well, that, it will let me do that. And also, I want to change the conversation in America. I think we can move the needle. And this kind of arms people with, yes, you can call them talking points or a frame of reference to engage in that conversation about race that has been hijacked by the far left. It's intimidated conservatives. Too many conservatives just won't go there. They're too touchy. They feel like, and so many things that I see right now, it's, it's a result of fear. It's a result of fear. They, they're afraid to talk about it. They're afraid of confrontation. So, uh, I think this book will help on multiple fronts. Uh, Richie, what do you think? Hello. Hi, Greg. Uh, uh, I think that uh, I just have to say I really enjoy your show, but something resonated with me on uh, the birthday subject about your birthday, and it made me think about my own birthday and how much I don't like to celebrate it because you said that um, – the parents are more important, and that's the way I really feel. 
Um, my mother's gone 10 years now, and I can't celebrate my birthday anymore because it meant, meant so much more to her than it did to me. That's all I wanted to say. Oh, it's very nice, Richie. Well, maybe you can celebrate, you know, talk about, think about her. I know you think about her every day. Maybe do something nice in her honor, you know? That's what my family says. She does say they do say that. They say that your mother would want you to celebrate your birthday, and and um, I thank you for talking about it on the show. It really made me think about it, and uh, I appreciate your sentiments. And uh, I look forward to reading your book and oh. um, your common sense politics. I really enjoy it. Thank Th- you very much. Thank you, Richie. Wow, thanks so much, and uh, God bless your mother. Ten years, huh? Yeah, I know. Sometimes I get into a real funk. Oh, boy, what am I going to do when my parents are gone? You know, it's going to happen someday. I was watching The Simpsons and uh, and The Simpsons. Nobody really watches The Simpsons. I'm always quoting The Simpsons and people look at me. But let's see. Um, Homer gets sick. Homer eats poison sushi. And everybody thinks he's going to die. And he gets a visit from his father, Abe Simpson, you know. And he's Abe Simpson goes in and sees him. And he says, they say that... Uh, uh, parent outlives the child it's the worst thing that can happen i never understood that statement <laughs> it's just oh gosh the simpsons the simpsons but yeah no it does oh boy i will outlive my parents hopefully i mean hopefully that's the way it's supposed to be that's the way it's supposed to be hopefully and uh and uh but yeah life without them that's something to think about and richie you're already there all right let's try kevin in new jersey hi kevin Said that the right, uh, the right, the right cleanses the soul, and also uh, my sister uh, owns a lake. And she says the snow is good for the reservoir. People are uh, Kevin, I'm having a little trouble. Uh, let's take it from the top. How are you? Where in New Jersey are you from? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Me too. I know what you mean. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. All right. Huh? Is that a prank phone call? All right. Hey, um, speaking of New Jersey, uh, former Governor Christie, I found him bragging. He was always bragging about stuff. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, This is, you know, he's a big shot. Just ask him. Cut 30. 30. I learned when I was a prosecutor that bad people and stupid people lie all the time for no explicable reason. As a former prosecutor, I wasn't allowed to ignore the laws I didn't agree with. My job was to enforce all the laws. And I'm a former prosecutor, George. Uh, I make decisions based upon evidence, not based upon feelings or partisanship uh, or loyalty. You you make those decisions based upon evidence. The evidence, evidence. You know, prosecutor. He wasn't a career federal prosecutor. He was a political appointee. He got it because he was a fundraiser. He never worked as a prosecutor in any meaningful way. And the U.S. attorney, and then as U.S. attorney, he's like owned by the staff because he doesn't know anything. He doesn't know anything about federal prosecuting. He doesn't know that I know that the federal prosecutors screw up all the time, like they screwed up in 2002, 2003 when they were hassling that poor Stephen Hatfield. Remember the alleged anthrax uh, mailer? They got the wrong guy. What they put him through, and. This this casts everything in a new light. You know, I used to be, quite frankly, oh, I'm totally revising my position on the Kennedy assassination, by the way. I used to think Oswald did it by himself and all that stuff was nonsense. Mm-mm, 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 uh-uh. Nope, 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 nope. But listen to this, please. Cut uh, 29. Despite the lack of physical evidence, 
At headquarters, Director Muller insisted his agents stay after Hatfill. Many people in management, in upper management, were convinced that Dr. Hatfill was the right guy. I mean, it was just very clear, and that they were not going to get off that train. Muller and the FBI wanted to ratchet up the pressure even more, and across the street at the Justice Department, Muller's boss, John Ashcroft, did just that at a press conference. I'd be pleased to respond to questions. Yes, sir. Sir, is uh, Stephen Hatfill still a suspect in the anthrax case? Mr. Hatfill is a person of interest to the Department of Justice, and we continue the investigation, uh, and for me to comment further it would be inappropriate. I think it'd be inappropriate for you to follow the guy and hound him, try to drive him to the breaking point. You had the wrong guy all along. Chris Christie was standing right next to John Ashcroft, by the way, when he said that. They're hassling Stephen Hatfield, who's alive and well, by the way, and $6 million richer because the FBI falsely accused him. And then the FBI, what a bumbling organization that is. And then they figure out that, uh, oh, no, 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 it must be this guy, Bruce Ivins. And they do the same thing to him. They hassle him day and night, running after him, having him under surveillance, harassing his family, harassing his colleagues. This must be the guy. And he was driven to the breaking point. He was already a bit of a, you know, he's a little bit odd. Yeah, he's a, He was a little bit unusual. Everybody's a little bit unusual in some way. And they found out, you know, he was into this, that, and the other thing. And the FBI kept asking him about this, that, and the other thing. He could, <laughs> I don't know, he was obsessed with some sorority or fraternity, and he was always writing weirdo letters to them. It had nothing to do with anthrax. Somehow they got it in their head that this was the guy. But they never quite arrested him. They never indicted him. But they did drive him crazy. And as soon as he was out of the picture, i.e., he killed himself, uh, they come out and say, this is our man. Cut 31. They put together a hastily arranged press conference. U.S. Attorney Jeffrey Taylor spoke for Mueller and Montooth. We stand here today firmly convinced that we have person who committed those attacks and we are confident that had this gone to trial we would have proved him guilty beyond a reasonable doubt mark just days after his suicide the government publicly made its case against bruce ivans we have a flask that's effectively the murder weapon from which those spores were taken that was controlled by dr ivans dr ivans was working inordinate hours alone at night he had submitted a questionable sample of anthrax from his flask he had detailed threats in his group therapy session he had quote incredible paranoid delusional thoughts at times based upon the totality of the evidence we had gathered against him we are confident that Dr. Ivans was the only person responsible for these attacks. And he wasn't. He wasn't. They drove him crazy, though. They drove him crazy. They drove him to suicide. These people, and they're so convinced, they're so convinced of their their righteousness, right? I mean, again, just ask Chris Christie. Cut 30. I learned when I was a prosecutor <clears throat> that bad people... And stupid people lie all the time for no explicable reason. As a former prosecutor, right. I wasn't allowed to ignore the laws I didn't agree with. My job was to enforce all the laws. And I'm a former prosecutor, George. Uh, I make decisions based upon evidence, right. not based Stop. upon feelings. All right, you get the picture, right? These guys are based on evidence. They go off of gut hunches all the time. And then they find the evidence to back up their gut hunch. 
right? And they bend the evidence to back up their gut hunch. And sometimes they ignore evidence that undermines their gut hunch. Man. So the FBI now wants to tell me and you what's legitimate information, what's misinformation, what's disinformation. Clarence, what the hell is this guy's name? Seth uh, Elvis Chan. Elvis Chan. Elvis Chan knows. Elvis Chan knows. Actually, it's funny. I caught him, I think, in a great big lie. Because he's standing there right in front of the cyber, I told you, right? The FBI cyber thing. And then the reporter says, actually, it's not about cyber at all. It's about, like, typical low-level stuff. Cut 26 one more time. The FBI says it has worked with registrars of voters throughout the Bay Area and says none of the election systems here can actually connect to the Internet. In fact, our special agent from the FBI says it's far more likely that we see some kind of a low-tech approach towards election fraud, like somebody simply trying to vote twice. In San Francisco, Christian Kaft and KTVU, Fox 2 News. So we're going to just we're going to dispatch the FBI cyber team. Uh, I am now revising my position again on the John F. Kennedy assassination. It's not because of what Tucker said, by the way. It's not because of the latest document uh, dump. It's actually something that I heard and remembered that I heard once before that Lyndon Johnson said to Richard Russell. Both before and after the Warren Commission was done with its work, neither Lyndon Johnson nor Commission member Russell believed in the Warren Commission's results. That's enough for me. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Friday, you can call Friday phones, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Who remembers Billy Carter, brother of Jimmy Carter? Uh, Billy Carter was, I think, a pretty good guy, actually. He looked a little bit goofy. And that was part of it. And he was the president's brother, and he would say or do anything for a buck. Uh, legally, he would, you know, show up at the opening of, um, you know, a bowling alley or something like that. Or uh, uh, you had to pay him, and he'd come. Uh, he was on Hee Haw a lot. Remember that? He came out with his own beer, Billy Beer. And it was just because he was the president's brother. But it was very much above board somehow. It was somewhat controversial, a bit of a national joke. Uh, but he made a fair amount of money doing it. Not, well... So why do I bring that up? I just want to remind everybody that regarding Hunter Biden, if you took away all the stuff like the laptop, uh, China, um, uh, the, 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 the weird jobs he had with uh, MBNA and uh, the vice chair of Amtrak, if you took all that stuff away and you just started with where, what he's done since his father's become president, which is become an artist – and sell those silly paintings uh, for between $75,000 and as much as $500,000. You know what a major scandal that would be in normal times? I mean, that is, and if you don't want to say, if you want to say, well, that's not a scandal, that's, uh, he's just, I mean, everybody capitalizes on something. All right, fine. If you want to say that's legal, it's at least interesting. All right? It's interesting. Billy Carter was household name famous because of, well, his uh, his enterprising ways. I found this yesterday. It's um, it's actually pretty good. It's a uh, Billy Beer and all this stuff that Billy was doing. Jimmy Carlitz and where's? Oh yeah, cut forty, please. 
Uh, Billy, I'm going to give you a little advice. While we're up here in Cornfield County, don't you date Lisa Todd. Her neck's dirty. Her does. Wait, didn't you play the rest of it? Who the hell's cutting these clips? It goes on for... All right. Well, that's wrong. All right. Anyway, so he goes on and on and on. He uh, There's a reporter who summarizes how uh, he's making $500,000 a year. He judges everything from um, like uh, uh, diving contests at uh, uh, hotel pools. Uh, yes, there's the beer. There's pizza. He uh, went to a hot dog eating contest all because he's... Uh, the brother of the president. And it was something of, it was mildly scandalous, but it was also um, a joke. But it was a, it was big news. Now, Hunter was in New York City this week selling paintings for $500,000. And it was mentioned in the Post, but everybody else just goes on about their way, the mainstream media. That is, I think, uh, further evidence of what we've already known for a long time, the Horrific bias and unfairness of our mainstream media. What difference does it make? Well, you're special because you seek out conservative media. Most people don't. It's like the weather. It's all around them, and they think, oh, gosh, you know, this is this must be happening. Trump must be an insurrectionist. Biden seems like a pretty good guy. Oh, Biden got Brittany Griner out. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's like they just kind of go with the flow, the flow, and that's wrong. The flow is taking us uh, – off a bad, bad waterfall and into some rocks, and it's not going to be pretty unless we get our act straight fast, very fast. I still think Donald Trump is the guy who can do it. I do. Just like uh, Rocky in Apollo in Rocky Two. Remember how he changed from left-handed to right-handed and it totally screwed Apollo up? Trump's got to make some changes. I think he's capable of doing that. In addition to keeping the stuff that... Made us like him in the first place. I'll be back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. But out of the looming threat of a government shutdown in Washington, one that, let's be honest, its ripple effects would be felt all across the country. We should move quickly to avert a shutdown today without any unwelcome brouhaha that has caused shutdowns in years past. It would be an outrage and completely irresponsible to have a government shutdown. There's no appetite for a government shutdown, I'm told, by people close to the talks. I would love to have a government shutdown. I would love a great big brouhaha. <laughs> I, 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 what do I need from the government? What do you need from the government? As uh, the great one, Mark Levin, points out, the government shuts down every Friday at about 4 o'clock. For two days, every federal holiday, uh, <laughs> these people, they, they prove themselves to be uh, unnecessary uh, several times a month. They really do. It's um, They are superfluous. Gosh, this is an opportunity to really reevaluate government, don't you think? Um, hey, was there an anti-Semite attack in Central Park last night? I got a clip here from ABC News, ABC 7. Uh, what happened? Cut nine, please. Cut nine. We're just days until the start of Hanukkah, and it's happened again. Another nasty and brutal anti-Semitic attack, this time in Central Park. And as cops tonight look for the suspect, Eyewitness News reporter Josh Einiger is talking with Jews, worried about what could be next. It does get people nervous, but stand strong. Don't cower away. Don't hide. They're attacking us because we're ambassadors of holiness and of God in this world. All right, but what happened? All right, 
All right. Well, we we missed the meat of it, didn't we? All right. Um, that man was not talking about anything specific. Josh Einiger is a good reporter, by the way, one of the good ones. I'm sure he had a very thorough, very thorough report on all of that. There's a big headline inside Mar-a-Lago where thousands partied near secret files. Uh, the whole point is in the New York Times, like, how could this country club be functioning when there were secret documents being stored there. Can you believe it that people were actually eating and drinking and swimming in the pool? All those things are done at the White House all the time. At the White House. They, the White House is one of the great catering halls of the universe. Uh, I went to a disco-themed party in the Rose Garden. They totally uh, can turn that Rose Garden with a tent, uh, you know, the special flooring. You don't even you, – you forget you're at the White House. It's just – well, you kind of know you're at the White House because there are people in uniform all over the place. And, you know, everyone's kind of, well, we're at the White House. Isn't this great? So you know you're at the White House. But they totally transform it. And that's only a few feet away from the documents. A Times investigation shows how Donald Trump stored classified documents in high traffic areas where guests may have been within feet of the materials. Well, if you've ever been to the White House uh, for a party or for a tour, you've been in within feet of the materials. And then they have this, the, 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 they actually break it down, a very sophisticated graphic, and they show the rooms and um, anything to get Trump, anything to get Trump, and uh, including, I guess, breaking the law. Adam Schiff, shouldn't this guy have been laughed out of the country by now? Adam Schiff just put out on Twitter, after inciting a violent insurrection, Donald Trump was suspended from Facebook. That suspension is set to expire in just 24 days despite the fact that he's more unhinged and dangerous than ever. Senator Whitehouse and I are calling on Meta, the new parent company of Facebook, to keep Trump offline for good. This is really what you want elected people talking about, right? Trying to pressure a private company into keeping um, a beloved hero of ours from getting his word out. Facebook is very important. Now, It's one thing to call for something, but if you're an elected person like that and you have regulatory responsibilities and you have authority and you can call up uh, Zuckerberg, and Zuckerberg does not do well at those hearings. Something happens in front of Zuckerberg to Zuckerberg sometimes. He he inadvertently tells the truth. You know what I mean? He can say things that I don't think he wants to actually say. Here's an example of that. Mark Zuckerberg, one of the richest men in America, runs Facebook, invented it in his dorm room at college. Uh, telling, who's this guy again with the big podcast that everybody likes? What's his name? Josh somebody? Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. He interviews somebody for like three hours. He's very good, actually. I've caught a couple of episodes. Anyway, uh, here's Mark Zuckerberg saying, yes, the FBI approached him about the, uh, about the laptop, about the Hunter Biden laptop in the run-up to the 20 election. Cut 27. Just kind of thought, hey, look, if, if the FBI, which you know, I still view as a legitimate institution in this country. It's a very professional law enforcement. They come to us and tell us that we need to be on guard about something, then I want to take that seriously. Did they specifically say you need to be on guard about that story? No, I I don't remember if it was that specifically, but it was it basically fit the pattern. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they're talking about the laptop. That's and that's what Joe Rogan wanted to know. Are they talking about that specifically? Uh, No, I don't know. uh, But it fit the general pattern. The general pattern is the deep state working against Donald Trump. Ken in the Bronx, welcome back. How are you? 
Hey, how you doing? Greg, great, great to be on the show. Thanks. I just wanted to mention, um, you, you talked about voting earlier and um, how you had this, uh, the FBI, they're worried about it and all these things. But there's a technology out that everyone talks about, which is cryptocurrency. And the technology that makes it supposed to be so secure is blockchain. So how about developing a blockchain for voting? How about developing an index card for voting? Okay. I don't want blockchain. I don't want EFTs. I don't want any of that stuff. I want paper. I no, want I fil- mean, what? Um, I don't mean the the technology of EFTs. The the, the the technology of blockchain is is a secure that it can't be it can't be corrupted. It's that's the whole point of it. But block according to blockchain, it can't be corrupted. I mean, how anything can be corrupted, right? I mean, I I I, I guess including paper. But I can see paper. I don't. Underst- I don't understand this blockchain. Tell me this blockchain. What does it? What does it mean? Well, every every link in the chain is specially coded, and it has to come from the previous link. So there's no way to go back and change where it originated. I don't like the sound of it already. It's too complicated. I don't get it. I don't want it. I want. Look, we had this thing all figured out. All right, we've had a couple of stumbles along the way, right? Hanging chads, 2000, we figured that out. Uh, this is all, I think, just to make it complex, and uh, uh, it's all designed to hurt Trump and to keep people we want from ever winning again, all right? Hey, you got to, uh, boy, oh, boy, people talking to me about the uh, the mechanics of getting elected here in New York with the labor unions and what these guys can apparently pull Everyone's whining and complaining about, oh, it's an attack on our democracy. Apparently, our democracy died a long time ago. Ken, I don't know. I mean, I'm sorry. I just don't know. I've heard about blockchain. I don't know what it is. And I don't think our, uh, I, I think the simpler, the better. All right. I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know. But Ken, it's not up to us, but we'll see. Thank you. Let's try Gail in Staten Island. Yes, Gail. How are you? Good afternoon, Greg. Listen, where. Anti-Semitism and and our president, uh, Trump, was toxic, is toxic. This is a world, uh, United States, that elected a community disorganizer from Chicago. As far as anti-Semitism, it's always been here. My maiden name is different from my married name. Let's see. Our toxic president. Energy independence, keeping us out of wars, great respect for law enforcement and our troops, busting murderous illegal gangs, visiting our troops overseas, not Delaware Beach, not retreating from the Middle East, causing needless death of our brave, of our brave troops, and leaving perfect weaponry there in Bagram with a big red bow. And as far as birthdays? Uh, spiritual, fiery, warrior, clever, wit, adventurous. That's you. Oh, is that right? Those are my. That's my sign. What is it? One more time. Give it to me again. Well, it's many. It's mine also. Spiritual, fiery, warrior, clever, witty, adventurous. I'm wow. that way too. I love it. I love it. All right. Yeah. So look, I don't talk about my birthday much, but it's tomorrow, and December seventeenth is a great day in history. Uh, a couple of things happened on that day. The Wright brothers flew for the very first time. In 1903, on uh, December 17th. And uh, anyway, well, happy birthday to you. And uh, those are very, very good points, Gail. Uh, Appreciate it so much. And, ooh, 
The snow job continues on CNN. It is really wild. We're living in a parallel universe. So if you ever read the book 1984, and it's almost overused, people say, oh, this is Orwellian. This is an Orwellian uh, thing. This is an Orwellian denial of reality. But what I saw today on CNN really was kind of your Orwellian. So in the book 1984 by George Orwell, which is like this totalitarian state and everybody's essentially a slave and uh, there's no dissent tolerated whatsoever and everything the government does is magnificent. So uh, what's that guy's name? I can't remember. Uh, anyway, the main character, he shows up for lunch with his buddies at the cafeteria there and none of them has shaved in a couple of days because there's a shortage of razor blades. And all of a sudden, Big Brother, like, you know, the, the dear leader comes over the intercom saying, you know, we are uh, we have yet more razor blades for everybody. And the razor blade production is going even better than last month. And they're all like nodding their heads. Ooh, good news. Good news. Good news. That's what CNN was like today. CNN was like, you know, talking about Joe Biden. Oh, good news. Good news. Good news. You know, he's uh, he's aware of the situation at the border. He's working on it. He's got a lot to celebrate, though, this Christmas uh, unemployment is down. Brittany Griner is out of Russia. I mean, this kind of like obliviousness to reality and seeing it in this warped way, in this pro Joe Biden way, just spin it for Joe in any possible. But it's so obvious. It's like these poor guys in George Orwell who uh, hadn't shaved and the razor blades they had were crummy. And they're being told that, ooh, more razor blades for everybody. That's kind of the vibe I um I'm getting not only from CNN, but I mean, last night, NBC did not have Donald Trump's take on um, free speech, which was a detailed and substantive proposal to fix something that I don't think anybody likes. I don't think the I don't think liberals want the FBI screwing around at Twitter and Facebook and telling them we think this story is questionable. We think that story is good. They don't want that. Give me a little bit more of Trump. Boy, oh, boy, was he fantastic on this. Let's see. Uh, cut 23. I will order the Department of Justice to investigate all parties involved in the new online censorship regime, which is absolutely destructive and terrible, and to aggressively prosecute any and all crimes identified. These include possible violations of federal civil rights law, campaign finance laws, federal election law, securities law, and antitrust laws, the Hatch Act, and a host of other potential criminal, civil, regulatory, and constitutional offenses. Wow, I never heard a lawless president president so concerned with uh, law-breaking, right? They're always saying, oh, he's lawless, he has, he's an authoritarian, he's a dictator. No, furthest thing from the truth. He cares about laws. He cares about law and order. Now, that tone may be intense, and it may turn you off. And if it does, if you're a Trump critic, I ask you, you know what? Don't listen to him. Read him. That stuff is available. You can find a text of it. If the tone turns you off, the substance, the substance of what he's doing, it's not only pro-America. I think it's it's pro-living. I'm not talking about abortion. I mean, this is... We're facing destruction, I do believe, if this goes on for much longer. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, very quick. I love what Elon Musk has done and is doing. 
He has every right to kick these people off of social media for doxing. You're not allowed to dox. Dox. It took me about three years to figure out what doxing means. Just like, uh, what's the other one they love to say? Uh, gaslighting. Gaslighting. Anyway, doxing is when you publish somebody's information, like, you know, uh, their, their, where they live or put their phone number up, and it causes somebody real-world trouble. And they were doxing, they were publishing um, the location of Elon Musk as he traveled the world or other places, uh, you know, via via a plane or other means. They were posting that online. You're not allowed to do that. And at least also, he's very upfront. I'm, I'm getting rid of these people. You know what I mean? It's the choice is mine. Others, it wasn't so clear. We knew shadow banning was going on, even though they denied it. I... There's a huge liberal outcry because some journalists who I've never heard of before uh, have been deplatformed. I'd like to know more about what they did on CNN today. The guy's like, uh, you never doxed anyone, did you? He said, no. Okay, good. Tell us how this is a horrible thing that Elon Musk did. And they spent the next 10 minutes beating up on on Elon Musk. I mean, there have been plenty of conservatives, uh, and that was always celebrated by the left, celebrated. I know one, actually, and we all know Donald Trump, but another one, uh, Emerald Robinson, was kicked off of Twitter. You know, she had some viewpoints about the vaccine or whatever, and uh, that was too dangerous. They did not let her remain on the platform. She was deplatformed, and that, uh, you know, she's she's a, uh, a conservative thinker, and she's it was a very important platform for her. Maybe she'll come back. I've heard uh, speculation about that. So anyway... I think it's great. I also think it's especially great that, uh, what's his name, Keith Olbermann is now gone. Uh, nobody ever liked him. And I'm not saying you got to be likable or not likable. It doesn't matter. I am basically a free speech absolutist. But a couple of these guys needed to go, especially Keith Olbermann. Nasty, nasty guy. You can be nasty all you want, but uh, I, I, I don't know. But look. If you're the owner of a company, you should be able to fire a couple of people, right? I mean, you can, what, 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 what fun is it to be the richest guy in the world if you can't like settle a few scores? I think, uh, I think that's okay. Uh, Anastasia in Queens. Wow. What a name. Beautiful. Hi. Hello. Want to wish the most informative and caring men a very happy birthday. And may the womb that carry him be always cherished. How beautiful. Many, many, many many happy returns. Oh, so nice of you, Anastasia. And you mentioned my mother, right? The womb that carried me. Bless her, too. Anastasia, it's such a lovely name, and uh, I detect a bit of an accent. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Where do you come from? I came from Greece. I am an immigrant since 12 years old, and I cry every day seeing America being the condition that it is right now. It hurts. This is not the dream that we had. Unfortunately, for some people, it's more painful than others. When I came here, the people from Brooklyn, my neighbors, Jewish people, were so nice to us. They embraced us and handed down beautiful, brand Anastasia, new Anastasia, stuff. do me a favor. I want to hear the rest of the story. They're playing the music. Don't go, okay? Will you hold on for me? Certainly. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Be right back.
Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right. Hey, by the way, does my voice sound like that? I heard a commercial. I'm like, put in the code Greg, G-R-E-G, the number, 555. It seemed pretty intense. Should I tone it down a notch? Is that how I sound all the time? I hope not. Tell me if I got to tone it down a notch. I have not heard my voice in a long time. I just like, five, five, five. The promotional called grit. Anyway, those beautiful commercial messages um, temporarily uh, put us uh, behind on our conversation with Anastasia, the lovely woman from Greece. She's been here since she was 12 years old, and she was just telling us about the horrible changes you've seen in America. Hi. Welcome back, Anastasia. What were you saying about the anti-Semitism in, in Brooklyn? Oh, do we lose her? And I was welcomed. I'm sorry. There you are. Good. Go ahead. Okay. We were embraced by the lovely neighbors who happened to be Jewish. I was the only uh, Christian at that time, and I used to be going every Friday to close the lights for all the neighborhood and making a couple of bucks. (laughs) And and believe me or not, for a twelve-year-old, I was making out like a bandit. <laughs> <laughs> so many they gave me their liquor, anything with rye. Mm. Had to go out of their house during the holidays. So it was a wonderful feeling, though, uh, being so loved by our neighbors. They were. So good. My brothers grew up also. We were nine altogether. They opened up their business in the neighborhood, and they've been, since then, they are being supported. They're in the flower business and paint business. And believe me, it was a wonderful feeling to leave Brooklyn and come to Forest Hills. I married my husband, may he rest in peace. And we opened up a restaurant in Forest Hills. Right opposite Trump Tower. And again, we found so much love and support there until 93 when my husband passed away. In 96, I sold my restaurant and I went into the nursing field. Loved giving my love to people. And I retired in 2015 from Mount Sinai. And I never had time to listen as much as I do now, and I want you to know how much I appreciate you, and I am sure millions of people do, too. We love you very much. Thank you, and many, many happy birthdays and all happiness in your life. Oh, wow. You and your family. God bless. God bless you, Anastasia. So beautiful. Such a nice story. And um, let's uh, let's keep the faith. I think things are going to turn around. It's going to be great. Hey, before you go, uh, there's a Trump property in Forest Hills, right opposite Trump Tower, and I and I want Trump back. But in Forest Hills, right opposite, where is the Trump thing in in, in Forest Hills? That is a building which his father gave him as a as a wedding gift. No kidding. Yeah, I know they have a lot of properties in uh, in Brooklyn and Staten Island. I didn't know about that. Uh, that's uh, what that what? was the first gift to him as a wedding gift from from his dad. How about that? Huh? Uh, I love it. I love it. And you know what? Also, Trump is always upfront about that. You know, he's not 
He didn't say he started from nothing. He's always talked about his father with great reverence and uh, the loan that his father made him. The you know, I think it was a million dollars or $10 million. But obviously, look, if you're the son of a very successful man or woman, you can do you can. <laughs> there's a lot of things that can happen. You can blow it. You can coast. You can uh, or you can build on it magnificently, as uh, as obviously Donald Trump did. Anastasia, thank you so much. I got to check out that building. I did not know that about uh, the building in Queens. Uh, very interesting indeed. Yeah, there's so much about this guy. You know, by the way, uh, he had his first apartment was on 75th Street. I went by it just the other day, and he wrote about it in his book Art of the Deal. The most um, exciting moment he had when he moved into Manhattan. He was 23 years old, I think, and he was just so thrilled. And like the thrill of that move, you thought he would move, was moving into the White House. I think he used those words. It was that level of excitement, and he was just 23, moving into a studio apartment. Pretty wild, pretty wild. Kevin in Manhattan, hi. Hey, Greg. I'm happy to be able to talk to you. I grew up uh, and uh, was uh, part of the of a non-denominational Christian church in Des Moines, Iowa. That was the headquarters of which are in Lee Summit, Missouri. And uh, one day in my youth, a, a gentleman came to our church and uh, presented a Bible that he uh, has uh, himself translated. Uh, George M. Lamsa, capital L-A-M-S-A, is the gentleman, was the gentleman, and he translated the Holy Bible from the ancient Eastern texts. And he reasoned that uh, other translators of the Bible uh, have not been native speakers of the language uh, that was spoken in the days back in the uh, the days of Jesus, and so he, being he himself was a speaker of the Aramaic language, so his translation is from the Eastern Aramaic texts, and uh, he has uh, some. Uh, he also has, uh, and one reason that uh, it was hard for people to to get the. Uh, get a deeper meaning is because they did not understand the idioms of that of the Aramaic language. All right, so Lamza uh, is the guy's name. Lamza, L A M Z A or S A? S L A M S A. I got to tell you, I have pondered this before because you know you'll look at different Bibles, and they'll have different phraseology, slightly different words, and obviously, uh, you know, men are involved in this process. Men, I mean. And I've just wondered about this. I don't want to say I've struggled with it because I just kind of roll with it. Okay, this is the Bible and it's from God. But you do see the differences between texts and if it's it's obviously being interpreted. So it's not, you know, it's not necessarily directly from God. And I have kind of uh, struggled with that. Like maybe, I, yeah, maybe that is the word. So how do I fix that? Or is that a fair uh, thing to uh, mention right now, Kevin? Uh, I think it is. Uh uh, to further understanding, and uh, he has a book, Idioms in the Bible Explained, and uh, he has uh, compiled. Uh, is he still alive, this uh, Lamza guy? No, uh, he is deceased, although I don't know uh, what year he's 
he has lived. All right. So uh, I'm going to, well, we'll check out Lamza because he knows Aramaic and he, uh, so the translation's probably spot on. Anything else, Kevin? Uh, yes. Um, I'm happy to be able to talk to you. Your, uh, your inquiring mind is something I've uh, grown accustomed to. Um, and you're an acquired taste and I, I appreciate uh, I appreciate your search for truth. An acquired taste. All right, all right. I don't uh, thank you. I guess what happened? You, 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 at first, it was bitter, right? First, uh, what was it about? How did I turn you off initially? I'm, I'm happy to to be able to hear you. All right. I hope we can talk again. That sounds good, Kevin. Thank you very much. An acquired taste. Uh, no, I'll take it. I'll take it. Hey, wait a second, Carmine. He loved me from day one. Carmine, how are you? I did, Greg. It's been a while, and I just wanted to say a few things to you, so bear with me. First of all, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for instruction, for conviction, for correction, and for training the man of God in righteousness. All right, yes, but, but, just like I told Kevin. There's no but, Greg. Excuse, no, wait a second. Just like I told Kevin. Sometimes you you said scripture, right? Well, guess what? Scripture from this Bible might be a little bit different from that Bible. You've seen it. I can prove it to you right now, although my iPad's on the other side of the room. But you know what I mean. The phrases will be diff- slightly different in one Bible to the next. So then I, I, I wonder. Now, I told, I don't know if you heard me tell Kevin. I just roll with it. I just, okay, this is God's word. But. I do occasionally wonder about that. Why is this a little bit different from that? I'm with you, Greg. Listen, by faith, but that's not why I called. Did you get a little package in the but, mail recently? No, me? no, 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 I didn't. You don't have to send me anything. Come on. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, but what was it? Just tell you something. You know, when T- Tim Tebow put John 316 on his face at that national championship, I just want to give what I prayed for you. And for God so loved Greg Kelly that if Greg Kelly believed in his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that if Greg believed in the birth, the death, and resurrection, and the soon return of Christ, that Greg would not perish, but that Greg would have everlasting life. And I just want to say a blessing over you and your family and all the generations. And, yes, you don't want to talk about your birthday, but we love you, Greg. And I'm, I'm going to sing the Christian version of Happy Birthday. I don't know if you've ever heard it. And it's real fast. A happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you every day of the year. May you feel Jesus near. A happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. And the best year you've ever had. Um. All right, I was this close to banging the gong. Remember the gong show? I'm only kidding. It was very, it was nice. It was nice, Carmine. It was Listen, nice. Greg, what? you said connect the dots the other day, yeah. and you would have been dead, and God pulled you out of that, Greg. I know and he did. You, he did, and don't ever forget that. And your identity is in Christ, Greg. It's not in WABC, and it's not in Newsmax. It is in who God has called you to be. All right, you're so frantic right now. Is anything going to happen? Is everything okay? Am I all right? No, no, I just said I knew two weeks ago I knew I had to call you today. All right, I appreciate it so much, Carm. I know, thank you, and thank you. I'll be looking for your package. I did get the other one, and you're the best. You're the best, and I so appreciate um your devotion and you looking out for me and your guidance. Thank you, Carmine. Um, 
let's skip the song next year, though. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. Carmine is the best. He's uh, my Bible buddy, if you will. All right. Uh, am I up? I'm up. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Say that to all your owners of your papers, your editorials. Diversify your newsroom so I can look out and see people that look like me. Uh, that's Eric Adams. And another truncated soundbite. Uh, thanks, Justin. Uh, we want to make these breathe a little bit more. But uh, that worked. Eric Adams calling out a bunch of white reporters saying, you don't look like me, therefore you can't cover me. It actually worked. It works, and ver- it's, it's a very bad thing to do. It's racist, quite frankly, but it works with a lot of people. And it ain't going to work with me, of course. Uh, nobody judges me. Uh, based on the color of my skin, and I don't base any—I don't judge anybody else based on the, that silly, superficial nonsense. So many other things you can pick me apart like crazy, okay? But just leave leave my skin out of it, okay? Fair enough, uh, fair enough. All right, it is Friday, kind of winding down. Good week, but a long week. Got the show tonight, and in the honor, honor of Rush Limbaugh, as we kind of do on Fridays, more phone calls than usual. Above average on the phone calls. Uh, so let's go through it. Ooh, we got a lot. Uh, Julie in Staten Island, yes. Yes, hi, Greg. I love, love your show. And I really wanted all year to call you, and I keep missing you. And finally got through. I wanted to wish you a very happy birthday. And thank you so much for the strength you showed for Trump. You're the only one that I could see that didn't jump ship. Everybody else was jumping ship after the election. And you say, stay so strong. And I'm so, so grateful that you did that because we are all behind you. And I hope to pray that you could be mayor one day. I I think you'd be a great, great mayor. Mm, uh, Julie, thank you. It's an honor and a privilege to uh, to uh, support him and to uh, stand with you. So, Julie, thank you. And I'll I'll keep you in mind about the mayor thing. And uh, I so appreciate your kind words. Thank you very, very much, Julie. Uh, next up is Bonnie. She's in Manhattan. Hi, Greg. How are you? I just wanted to call and wish you a very, very, very happy birthday. And you are God's gift to us. You know, in this season of Advent, we listen to you and we have hope. Otherwise, we would have no hope. And you know why I think you like President Trump? Because that's why we like him. You're upfront, in your face, kind of brash which we love okay and you tell it like it is and that's why we love you and that's why we love him and please greg hang in there don't jump ship because we've got to get him in 2024 and you have to get into the mayor's office i have one more question greg if if the mayor is asking for one billion dollars to take care of the uh, the migrants that are coming in when he had 17,000 now we're up to 30,000 if he asks for 2 billion dollars where is he going to get the money from to give reparation to the african americans in new york and if he doesn't give it to them are they going to stop voting for the democrats oh. i hope so <laughs> i hope so <laughs> i hope so oh good point about those reparations right we got to have those reparations talk about tearing our country apart uh, you know they're really they're really serious about the reparations in California. I mean they're getting ready to write the checks. 
uh, Gavin Newsom. He'll do anything. Career politician. Eric doesn't know any better. He, he's just uh, somebody told him that this is cool right now. He knows nothing. Bonnie, you're so great. Thank you very, very much. Always hoping, you know, the ultimate source of that hope. Uh, Bonnie, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, got a couple of more. Uh, Rich in Pennsylvania. Thanks, Greg. Thank you very much. Happy birthday. Just All kidding. Right. Just kidding, Greg. <laughs> Okay, so Greg, uh, first, first off, have you ever seen the Book of Kells? The Book of who? Kells, out in Dublin, Ireland. The Book of Kells. Um, it's it's the jewel in the stone of Ireland. It was written by monks in like 400 BC. It's um, it's an illustrated interpretation of the Gospels. Yeah, well, with a name like Kelly, I ought to have seen this thing, but uh, no, this is news to me. Okay, well, you got to check it out. I'm surprised, actually. I know, me too. I, you'd be surprised. I mean, you'd be surprised at some of the stuff I don't know. I uh, all right, the Book of Kells. I got to check it out. And uh, okay, anything else? Yes. Yeah, so, Greg, uh, the most the most critical and calamitous issue of America in, I'd say, this capacity of time, besides your birthday, of course, is the border. Absolutely, without question. Of course, in tandem with getting the White House back, but. Um, just just to put it this way, Greg, economies boom and bust, uh, wars tragically begin and end, um, culture wanes and ebbs. Um, but if the Biden administration, the radical left, let this disaster go down, it will be irreversible. It will be absolutely disastrous. And uh, it, it'll be unsustainable um, uh, financially, economically, institutionally. And the whole thing is a crusade designed to destroy America. They want it destroyed, as you know. Let me ask you something. Do you think – my theory is this. They're going to have to extend Title 42 because if they don't, even though they want to destroy it all, it'll be too obvious if they don't extend it. Because quite frankly, administratively, it's pretty easy to extend Title 42. So my, my sense is even though they don't want to, deep down, they'll extend it for optics. What do you think? Well, I think part of their design is to uh, – they think all these people are going to be Democratic voters. Um, they think that it No, will... I know all that. I know all that. But I'm just uh, – the Title 42 thing, because it's expiring like Tuesday, I think, right? It expires any minute now. Will they extend it? Keep an eye on that. I think they might have to extend it. Thanks, uh, Rich. Uh, Gary in Inwood. Good afternoon, Greg. As far as former President Trump's voice tone in his address – I found it inspiring, uplifting, on point, clear, precise, the way I like to hear him. It made my day. I was very, very happy with it. You're right. There were some gems in there, and there was. It was clarity. I'm like, there was something about it that was refreshing. It's like, I haven't heard anybody speak like this in a while. What's going on? Because he's the only one who does clear, direct, substantive. Uh, It was very, very powerful. Give me 10 seconds of it. Cut 14. Within hours of my inauguration, I will sign an executive order banning any federal department or agency from colluding with any organization, business, or person to censor, limit, categorize, or impede the lawful speech. See, it's of great. Americans. It's great. It's great. And that inauguration part sounded terrific. Hey, can I put two callers on at the same time? Because I, no, all right. Uh, Steve, what's up? Hi, Steve. Happy birthday to you. 
Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Greg. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Wow. Hey, man, thank you. Is that a real piano back there, right? Real piano back here, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you for your service to the country. And uh, I just want to leave you with one, if I may, um, advice. Since I'm 82 and you're a younger man, I think I can give it to you. What? And that is this: the more, the more you, and you're a spiritual man, which is great. The more you understand and know yourself, the more you do, the better mayoral candidate you'll be. And I just wanted to. I love it, Steve. I love it. Thank you so much. I wish I could play the piano like that. Thank you, Steve. Barbara. Oh, my goodness, Barbara. I should have. uh, Sorry about that. Hi, Barbara. You're the last call of the day. Hi. Okay. Happy birthday. And a Christmas present for you is to go online and look at the St. John's Bible. I would send you a copy of it, but it's $8 million. Okay. (laughs) Thank you, Barbara. And thank you for the inspiration from you, Barbara. And I'll see you tonight at 10. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.